Welcome to the Rehope Podcast. Before we dive into this week's message, we'd like to provide you with some helpful resources. If you'd like someone to pray for you, it would be our joy to connect with you. So please email us at prayer at rehope.co.uk. If you'd like to get connected with an online Bible read-through group from wherever you are in the world, you can email brt at rehope.co.uk and be a part of a small group of people reading through the Bible cover to cover each year. Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. Good to see you. Good morning. If I missed you at the start, hello, my name is Laura. Uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to meet you at the end of our service. If you're new, feel free to hang about. I'll be over here. We've got some gifts for you. We've got student welcome packs. We've got bookmarks and business cards and 40 days of prayer things and everything. So I'd love to say hello to you at the end if I missed you at the start. Uh, it's so good to be back here today. I had the best time being back in Canada for a couple of weeks. If you follow me on Instagram, you're like, we know, and we're sick of hearing about it. She makes one more reel. Um, thank you for your grace towards me at this time. Uh, it was just so good. It, it felt so special to go back over there. I felt like I'd waited it felt like a long time, right? COVID was like a lifetime and also only three years, but it felt like a long time to wait to go back out to people who are like family over there and uh, a ministry I love and have been involved with since 2010. So I feel like I've kind of grown up in that space as well. So just a really um, special, like almost pilgrimage type trip to do. So really, really thankful I could do that. And it's also always wonderful to come home to Rehope and to be with you guys again. And this is a special time of year we call today Autumn Vision Sunday. And it's a Sunday that we take just before things get a little crazy, where we stop and we want to look ahead. And we're in a season of looking ahead, actually, and asking God, okay, what is on your heart for us as a church? What's on your heart for me? What's on your heart for us as a church? What's on your heart for us as Rehope Church generally? Where are you leading us? What is most important? There's so much we could do. There's so much we could think about. There's so much we need to do. But what is most important? How are you leading us? What are you saying to us? And it's a special moment for us as a church, really, uh, because we're looking ahead into an unrestricted autumn for the first time in a while. And there's a real sense of freedom as we imagine what could happen and what God might do. And yet, as always, the, the mission kind of stays the same, to continue to run after God and what he's doing and how he's speaking with all that we have, whether that feels like we have a lot or whether that feels like we have a little, that's what we want to be about. But we're excited for this autumn and we're looking forward to seeing Rehope Paisley officially launch in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, can't believe that it's time for that. If you have not seen what the team over there have been up to, my goodness, I, um, I have been watching through Instagram. I cannot wait to see the progress in person. I think they've just been barreling towards this goal, uh, just absolutely giving it their all. I am amazed at that transformation of that building and that space and just all the hard work that's going into that. We're excited to see how God breathes on that in the months to come in Paisley. We're excited to be here and to be welcoming students back and to be meeting new people who are coming into our church in this season for however long. We um, are starting 40 days of prayer tomorrow, which helps us in the midst of anything and everything to plant ourselves in what is most important to come together like one-to-one -one with Jesus 
to plant ourselves in his presence, to hear his voice, to listen to him, to pay attention to him, to take all of our needs and our wants and our desires and bring them back to him. Uh, that's going to be so significant, both like, yeah, on that one-to-one -one me and Jesus level, but also we just see through the Bible as we read it that there's like a special blessing. There's a special thing happens when God's people pray together. So I'd encourage you, I know I find it so easy to be like, okay, here's my four, here's my 40 things that I want to see God do for me during my 40 days of prayer. Uh, and that's not wrong, but I sometimes can neglect to turn it over and actually think, okay, no, we're praying as a church. Things like 8 a.m. prayer, it's powerful to come together and pray as people together for God to move in all these different things that he's doing here and doing through us. And today, I, it's been on my heart to to talk a little bit about not so much where we're going, although it is where we're going, but a little bit of how we're going anywhere we're going. Because today I wanna to talk about our love for the Bible. Um, I just wanna take a moment and think about our love for the Bible. Because here at Rehope, we exist to lay the foundations of a long-lasting reawakening, meaning we want to see people come awake to who God is and then stay awake to who he is, to live for him, to love him for their whole lives. And so often that's sometimes the harder part, right? To continue to say yes to God for a lifetime. That's what we're desperate to see God, people, to see God do in people's lives as they're here. And we know that that reawakening starts here, it starts here with all of us, and then it spreads from church. It spreads out from God's people into the city, into the nation. So we're all about reawakening. And as we run after reawakening, as we seek God and we pray for reawakening, there's three things that are our three core values, and that's who we are and who we're becoming as a people. And those core values are that we are obsessive about closeness with Jesus. We want to be people who live with gutsy faith meaning we'll say yes to God when he says go. We'll go when he says go. We'll send people when he says send people. We will follow his word even when it requires courage and boldness and all those things. And we're also committed to being a people who grow people. Who We don't want you to stay where you are. We want you to be constantly moving closer, growing into more of the likeness of Jesus, growing into the gifts that he's given you, everything he wants to do in you and through you. And those are our core values. And then the things we do, that kind of feed those things and lead us towards uh, seeking God for this reawakening that he wants to do in people's lives. We are all about over-the-top hospitality. We want to serve people really well. We want to receive people well. We have these locally attuned church locations like here and in the Southside and in Royston and in Paisley. And then we want to be people who live Bible and prayer-saturated lives. We want to live Bible-saturated lives. If something is saturated, it means it cannot absorb anything else. And we want to be people here who are so full of God's truth and living waters that we will not absorb any of the many other waters of our times. Because we have come to know, we've come to believe in the truth of what the Bible says about itself, that it is God-breathed, that it's God-breathed. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. We've come to believe that it is living and active, that it actually is alive, that it's not just any other book, but it's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. We've come to know that in this place, and we want people to know that too and experience that too, that through his word, God changes us from the inside out. We're trained in righteousness from the inside out through his word. 
We know God's word is to be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, that it keeps us on track as we follow Jesus, that it unlocks and underpins our hearing of God's voice, that it helps us to know the truth and with that truth be set free from anything else that would stand against it. God's word is so powerful that people are still opening it and finding Jesus through its pages with nothing else. If you have a chance and you've not heard it already, ask Amanda Buckin Sunday to tell you her story of how she found God through the Bible. People were still hearing stories like that. People open the Bible, they have nothing else, and they are finding Jesus through its pages. It is powerful. And so as we look into autumn and all the potential it holds, all the programs we could run, all the things that we can do, more than I want to point you towards membership today, although I do if this is your church. If you consider this your church, we would love you to be a member. More than I want to uh, help you use your giftings as you serve in this place, although we do, and that is important. I want today um, to think about how we can become people who are saturated in God's word. We have to walk before we run, and we have to get the right things right first, and we have to get the big rocks in our life before we pour everything else in. So before we go ahead and do everything, anything for God's glory, We want to start in this place where we are obsessively close to Jesus through his word, through his written word, through his spoken word, through what he's given us. And Bible read-through groups here at this church are a means to a never-ending end of knowing God more and loving God more. And they're a means so simple and so pure in many ways that they basically are the goal in that they just are groups where we're reading the Bible cover to cover year after year over and over again. And out of everything we do here, they're probably one of the most simple things we do, but also the most potentially life-changing. And I could stand here, I can stand here, and I can tell you how, in every word I know how, I can tell you, okay, you should join a Bible read-through, or you should rejoin your Bible read-through, or you should um, care about your Bible read-through, you should prioritize your Bible read-through. I can tell you all of that, but there's only so much that human persuasion can do from one imperfect person to another. So I'm asking God to stir up a new love, a greater love in us for his word, for our sakes and for the sake of the next generation as well, as we try to figure out what is true, as we try to walk in it, so that love for the Bible would be our fuel as we open it and our lens as we read it, and also the greater force that we need in our lives to help keep leading us back to Jesus and how he's leading us forward. Okay, we picture as we begin I've got a picture of the dock at Echo Lake Bible Camp featuring Sophie Curl on it. Nice and symmetrical picture with the blue sky. Um, At camp last week, was it last week? Two weeks ago, I don't know, I've lost all track of time. At camp, the campers had a chance to do something called the Polar Plunge, where basically every morning they were invited before breakfast to come down onto the docks. It looks like gloriously sunny there and pretty idyllic, but if you can just imagine, okay, the water's cold, it's early morning, they come down onto the dock, what they have to do is just jump in and out quick, submerge themselves fully, out back onto the dock, go get their breakfast, okay? It's quick, it's fairly joyless, it's fairly cold. Loads of campers, the whole way through the summer, did the Polar Plunge religiously every day that they were at camp because they were told that if they did it every day they were at camp, at the end of the week, they would get a prize. Sometimes they were offered cabin points if their whole cabin did the polar plunge together. And at that point, the cabin leaders would groan inwardly and outwardly because that meant they also had to do the polar plunge that day in order to get the cabin points. But they did it. 
because they wanted the points, they wanted the prizes. Now, I can tell you for a fact that after they left camp, no camper on Monday morning got up and found themselves a lake, a cold lake, to submerge themselves in before they had their breakfast. They didn't go home talking about it. It wasn't a highlight of their week. They did it for points. They did it for prizes. They won an ice pole at the end of the week. They did it for daily credit. And they did it for the hope of future reward. And I think sometimes we can slip into reading the Bible in a similar way, where we think, okay, I am, by doing this kind of quick daily blast, I am earning myself some sort of daily credit with the Lord, or I'm maybe like setting myself up for some future reward with the Lord. Maybe I'm kind of earning my way to some more answered prayers. He'll hear me a little bit more if I'm actually in his word. I'll maybe work off a bit of my spiritual debt or get myself out of the red or whatever it may be. And discipline is a really good and biblical thing. That's a different sermon. But just like those campers who would miss a day of polar plunge and then lose heart, because what's the point? They're not going to get the points. They're not going to get the prizes. We too, if we approach the Bible in our lives purely like any other human discipline, then when we disappoint ourselves, inevitably, we will disengage from it. The Bible is not the polar plunge. The Bible is blob wars. Okay, another photo. So this is the blob. That's not me <laughs> in the air, I can tell you that. This is the blob. Now, the blob had been a neglected feature for quite some time at camp. Um, it got a little bit boring. It got a little bit stale. They maybe did it once, and then that was it. But this year at teen camp, the, the campers discovered a new way to enjoy the glory of the blob. And they did a thing called blob wars, where basically someone would jump off onto the blob, they would shuffle to the end, they would lie on their belly, and then the next person would jump on, and then they would both like buy the pillow and just, I don't know, physics, be propelled into the air a little bit, and it would be like, okay, who can stay on, right? Who can stay on? Blob wars. And then if they both stayed on, this person would also shuffle to the end and lie on their belly, and then someone else would jump on, and it would be like, okay, who can stay on? Who can stay on? So on, so forth, until someone jumps on and makes the other people fall. Blob wars, that's how you win. Now, the campers did this again and again and again and again. They queued up down the dock. They came back the next day wanting more. They loved blob wars so much that the program director had to schedule more time in the schedule just for the blob. They went home talking about it. I have no doubt that they will come back next year wanting to do it again. Love is the most powerful force, and even a little bit of love will win out over loveless duty or discipline in our lives. And three things that are true. It is a good time to join a Bible read-through group, to get back into one, or to recommit to being consistent. It's a good time to do that. It's not a bad thing to join a Bible read-through because you believe it will be good for you. And it's not a bad thing to join a Bible read-through because it's an expectation of a serving team, or it's a membership commitment, or whatever. It's not a bad reason. Those are good reasons. But love for God's Word, that is what will have us lined up on the dock whether it's Bible read-through or it's something else. Love for God's word is what is going to keep us hungry for more, desperate for more, coming back to this and experiencing God with joy through its pages. And I want to encourage you today, if your love for the Bible is low, mine was too, years into following Jesus, critically low, but God has increased my love for his word dramatically in this place, and I think he is still doing that kind of thing here. So believe for more. I'm going to use Psalm 119 today. If you have a Bible, uh, you might want to have it open. 
But don't worry if not, because we will try to get things on the screens. But you can be sympathetic towards the screen team, because I am jumping all over it. Um, but that's fine. We'll follow along as best we can. So this psalm is a beautiful, poetic tribute to the Word of God. And I've chosen it today because more than anything else that's in it, and there's a lot in it, it is the psalmist's love for God's Word that rings through the whole psalm. I'm going to start by reading just a portion uh, from near the end, starting at verse 161. So the psalmist writes this, Rulers persecute me without cause, but my heart trembles at your word. I rejoice in your promise like one who finds great spoil. I hate and detest falsehoods, but I love your law. Seven times a day, I praise you for your righteous laws. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. I wait for your salvation, Lord, and I follow your commands. I obey your statutes, for I love them greatly. I obey your precepts and your statutes, for all my ways are known to you. Two first things I want to draw on from here, uh, important things that we see. The first thing is something that is evident the whole way through this long psalm, but is particularly expressed in 164 here. The psalmist writes, seven times a day I praise you for your righteous laws. The psalmist's love for God's words leads him to worship God. We don't worship the Bible. We worship the God of the Bible. We love his word. We love God's words because in them we come to know the God that we worship. And secondly, he says, great peace have those who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. The world will say to us every day, do the right things and you will have peace. God's word says, love the right things and you will have great peace. And God knows and the Bible reminds us time and time again that our lives will not necessarily be filled with peace that comes from our circumstances. The terrain may be slippy. There might be trip hazards galore. But in this, we see, okay, love for God's word is a source of peace and a source of firm footing in the midst of it all. So I want to become the person who picks up my Bible in chaos, who over the top prioritizes my read-through in chaos rather than neglects it or pushes it down the rungs. Because if God says that's my way to peace, then that's where I want to go for my peace. There's so much we can't control, but we can grow in love for the Bible together. Now, with the psalmist, I'm going to say he for the sake of ease, although we don't know exactly who wrote it, I believe. Um, and in verse 10, he writes, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. So he's seeking God with all his heart, yet he knows that he could still stray. So like most of us, he loves God some, and he wants to love God more. He knows that he needs God's help to follow faithfully. We remember each week that God loves us, and the call in our lives is to love him back. And we know that God loved and loves us through action. John 3.16, for God loved the world in this way, he gave his one and only son. We know that the Bible defines love as something that is properly done in action and in truth. That's in James 3. So truly loving God's word is also something that is done in our lives in action and in truth. The psalmist writes in verse 30, I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I've set my heart on your laws. So to love God's word means that we want to set our hearts on it. And that's not fluffy or theoretical. That's an actual thing that we do. But what does that mean? When I was thinking about this this week, it just helps me just to make it earthly, bring it down to earth and think, it, think about it in earthly language. I have set my heart on going to Largs this weekend. That means I want to go to Largs this weekend. 
That means I'm hopeful that I will go to Largs this weekend. And that means I'm going to live my life this week as if I am going to Largs this weekend. So that's going to affect my plans. It's going to affect what I'm doing. It's going to affect uh, how I'm making plans and what I'm prioritizing for the weekend. I've set my heart on it. The psalmist says, I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I've set my heart on your laws. Because he has set his heart, meaning his desire and his hope on God's word, on God's laws, therefore he's chosen the way of faithfulness. What he's done with his heart is now affecting his life and how he's choosing to live. I have set my heart on a Nardini's ice cream sundae because I love Nardini's ice cream sundaes. The psalmist has set his heart on God's laws because he loves God's laws. He loves God's word. So if faithfulness feels like a constant uphill climb, maybe it is good for us to do a heart check where we ask, okay, is my hope firmly planted in God's word? Do I love it? Is my heart after that? Can I set my heart more fully on that this autumn? The psalmist understands faithfulness as obedience. He says, I've set my heart in your laws, so I hold fast to your statutes, Lord. Do not let me be put to shame. If we obey without love, then it's basically just compliance, right? Like willing or reluctant, we are living like servants when God's called us sons. John 15, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. And the psalmist seems to have experienced the depth of this relationship in part, at least. He says, I run in the path of your commands, for you have broadened my understanding. I open this book as someone that God calls friend. And as I experience his love through the pages, I'm experiencing it as God reveals his best to me and also, out of kindness, helps me understand his vision for my flourishing over my lifetime. And as he does for this, my love for his word grows. And then this love fuels real faithfulness in my life. If my love for God's word is low, then I come to these faithfulness crossroads in life where uh, I could go God's way or I could go my own way. And instead of love drawing me towards the harder path in trust, then either in apathy I will be stuck or another love will lead me elsewhere. And we might think, no, but I love God, I'll follow him. It doesn't matter how I feel about the Bible, but in Psalm 160, in verse 167, the psalmist writes, I obey your statutes because I love them greatly. And in 112, he says, my heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. To follow God for the long haul, we need to love his word, his plans, his instructions, his truth. And then that love will fuel our reading and it will fuel our faithfulness. Okay, but what about when our love is low? Uh, when I was at uni, I felt totally stunted in my love for the Bible. I was reading it, I was dissecting it, I was studying it, I was using it in my studies and I was analyzing it. And instead of my love for God growing, my love grew cold, honestly. And then as a result, my love for God grew cold. And it was a busy season of my life. It was by lots of metrics, a successful season of my life, but it wasn't a very happy season of my life. And I needed God. But in my heart of hearts, I wanted to be able to bypass the Bible to get to him. I wasn't willing to find him through his word. And that's because I felt a bit unsure of it. I, there was parts of it I didn't understand. There was things that I felt critical of in it. And I had let the enemy plant seeds, that there were, there were seeds of doubt and distrust in my heart towards God's word. And so I stuffed my questions and my criticisms into my thesis instead of coming to God with my heart open. But the God I longed to know was and is the God of the Bible. 
And the God of the Bible is the one true God that we ache to know. He has a name. He has an established identity. He has a history with mankind. And he's leading us towards a particular future. And so I don't get to separate him from his words when I want him. And when I had a hard heart towards his word, I had a hard heart towards him. It affected everything on the inside. But God was so kind. And for me at that time in my life, he completely removed me from that academic context, even though I thought that's where my future lay. It's not about academia, it's just the enemy can use anything, right? But he removed me from that, and he started this process of humbling me, humbling me through an isolation season where I needed his friendship like never before, humbling me through a new ministry season where I needed his help like never before. And so I came to God's word instead of with this wall of pride, I came with humility because I had to. And when we come to God in humility, he meets us there. He gives us grace. He lifts us up. And when I came to God's word in humility and honestly just read through it a couple of times, like did read through a couple of times over, I found, and I couldn't put my finger on when, but just my criticisms and my judgments and my things had just kind of melted away. Some questions maybe still there, but not as like heart-wrenching in their strength. And as my love for God's word grew, my love for him grew. As my love for him grew, my love for his word grew. He's the God of the Bible. And as I experienced this love in my life, love became my lens to read his word through. And don't we know that when we look at someone or we look at something through the eyes of love, it totally transforms how we see it. So the psalmist comes in humility and he exalts the scriptures and he's committed to obeying them. He says in 129, your statutes are wonderful, therefore I obey them. And when you read through Psalm 119, you read this kind of continuous loop of the psalmist uh, treasuring God's word and then finding treasure in it, finding treasure in it, and then treasuring it more. He writes all of these things. He writes, I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold because I love your commands more than gold, more than pure gold. I hate every wrong path. I rejoice in your promise like one who finds great spoil. Now, I think of treasure, I initially think of Captain Jack Sparrow, but we know treasure's not an objective thing necessarily. It's whatever we treasure, right? It's whatever we choose to consider highly valuable. And I believe that when we choose to treasure God's word, we will find it to be treasure. The psalmist regards the word of God as treasure, not because he's been told it is or because he's been told he has to, but because he's gone to it and he's found it to be so. He's found it to be a source of delight. He says, direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. He's found it to be a source of joy. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. Through his word, he's found that God is everything he needs. He says, Lord, you are my portion. So I've promised to obey your words. And he's found God's words to be limitlessly perfect. To all perfection, I see a limit, but your commands are boundless. When we come to God's word in humility, expecting it to be full of treasure, then we experience it as treasure. And as we live from the word, our love for the word grows. And these other pride, cynicism, whatever lenses may fall away and we can have love be our lens with, that we read it with. So it's our fuel as we read it. It's our lens as we read it. Thirdly, I think love for the Bible can be the greater force that we need in our lives because we're love-led creatures. We follow our hearts. And even when we are committed to following Jesus, there, it is hard to tune out the many other things that are vying for my affection, vying for my love. The psalmist prizes God's word as his much needed guide. He says in 19, I am a stranger on earth. Do not hide your commands from me. So he regards God's word as precious because he knows it's not 
arbitrary commands, but actually essential guidance from his true home and connection to his true home wherever he is. He says, I'm a stranger on earth, but your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. Your decrees are the theme of my song wherever I lodge. Sometimes I think I must feel too at home here to treasure God's word rightly as I try to find my way through. The psalmist knows the scriptures as a source of living words which together show him the way. They form the path in which he wants to live. He says, I run in the path of your commands for you have broadened my understanding and it's a path towards joy and a good God. He says, direct me in the path of your commands for there I find delight, you are good and what you do is good. And he knows that the lines that God has drawn are rescuing lines. They're good lines that draw us into freedom. He says, I will walk about in freedom for I've sought out your precepts. And then as we discover this to be true, we love that path more. And our greater love for that path will help us want that path more than we want any other. He says in 127, because I love your commands more than gold, more than pure gold. And because I consider all your precepts right, I hate every wrong path. Love for God's word is the greater love that we need to help us go the right way because the wrong paths will lure us heart first. And when we're off track, it's our hearts that need redirected most and our love will be redirected best by the power of a greater love. If we think about a cat on a counter, the cat wants to sniff your dinner. You don't want the cat to sniff your dinner. You might nudge the cat. You could talk to the cat. You could reason with the cat. Or you can shake a treat at the cat. <laughs> and for the love of a licky lick, the cat will get off the counter. <laughs> when our hearts are being pulled in a certain direction, we need the power of a greater love in our lives to lead us the right way. We can be told what is good for us. We can be reasoned with. We can read what's good for us. But we need our hearts to be redirected. We need the power of a greater love. And so a love for God's word can be that powerful force to lead us back to him. And as I finish today, I want to encourage you to come to God and to come to his word with an undivided heart this autumn. So it's a chance for us, I guess, to check our hearts and to ask ourselves and to ask God to show us, okay, where is my heart divided in its devotion? Where are there other things ruling or pulling at me in my life that I need to surrender again? To put you on the throne, Jesus, to give you my all, my whole heart. And be encouraged if you feel brokenhearted. Charles Spurgeon preached this. He said, ah, there is a great deal of difference between a divided heart and a broken heart. The divided heart is cut in twain. The broken heart is broken in pieces, all asunder, and yet it is not divided. The psalmist was brokenhearted. So much in the psalm, just one verse, 28. He says, my soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. His love was not divided, though. So it's okay to come to God with a broken heart, <laughs> but come with your whole heart. And as we read through the Bible, there's, it's a story of how, no matter how small your all is, God wants all of you. He wants all of your heart. He does not despise the small things. So come as you are, and let's grow in love for God's word together. Challenges today. Simple things. Do the heart check. Okay, how much do I actually love the Bible? Do I? Do I not? Where am I at on a scale from like, okay, don't like it, don't love it very much, love it loads, want to grow in that. Commit to growing in love for the Bible. A couple of practical steps then. Yes, find someone who loves the Bible and befriend them. And I mean someone who like really loves the Bible. It has changed me to be here in a place 
at the time in life when I was to come into a church where I was surrounded by people who really loved the Bible. Because initially, I was just a bit like, huh, they really love the Bible. And then eventually, something happens in you. Something happens in you as you come alongside those people in your life. So find one of those people and be their friend. And then take a practical Bible read-through step, whatever that looks like for you. Um, it's a means to the never-ending end of knowing God and loving Him more. But it's a good means to the end as well. So do whatever you need to do to help yourself live a Bible-saturated life. We would love to help you do that as well. Um, I'm going to pray, and then we will go into a time of response together. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Would you help us and help us to know how you're leading us in this season? Um, God, would you do that work in our hearts, Lord, which has to be from you? Holy Spirit, come. Help us. To love your word. Help us to love your voice. Help us to love your instruction. Help us to treasure this book as our guide, as we're strangers here on the earth. God, would you broaden our understanding where it feels weird or uncertain or we just don't get it? Jesus, you've called us your friends and you speak to us and you reveal truth to us. So would you do that as we open your word, as we keep reading as we get stuck in. And Lord, as we look ahead and dream of all that's to come, God, would you plant us in your word? Would you plant us in your truth? Help us to be people of the truth. In Jesus' name I pray. And God, if there's anyone, if there's anyone here today whose heart is leaning towards you, Lord, um, searching for you, wanting to know if this is real, if you are true, God, I pray right now that you would reveal yourself to them, that you would be filling them with your love, filling them with your peace. And if you're here today and you're in a season of turning back to God or you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time and you feel ready today as a first step with me right now, I'm just going to pray and you can pray along with this in your own mind and heart. But our prayer team would love to pray with you after as well. Just pray something like this. Jesus, I need you. I want to follow you. I want to live my life for you, with you. Forgive me. Make me new. Help me to follow you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and lead me forwards from this place. Today is the day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.